If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Mark chapter 1, and we'll be in verse 16 through 20. Our goal this morning, as you see on the top of your outline, is to uh, become a fisher of men, to talk through uh, what that looks like for us uh, to be fishers of men. Before we do that, uh, let's pray together. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning um, with greatly humble hearts. I confess uh, personally where I have not been the, the follower of you that I should be. I just confess that, um, or there's things in me that should not be there. Lord, thank you for your grace. I'm not the father I should be, Lord, thank you for your grace. I'm not the husband that I should be, Lord, thank you for your grace. When we as a church are not all that we're called to be, Lord, thank you that you continue to show grace and mercy, that you never point a condemning finger, you always beckon us home. Lord, thank you that even this week, even today, Lord, as I have fallen so short, Lord, thank you that you continue and continue and continue to give grace upon grace upon grace. Lord, thank you that today when I got out of my bed, your mercy was new for me today. And that mercy extends to all in this room. Lord, thank you. As we come to your word now, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts that we would not be the same as when we came in this morning, that our hearts would be tuned to your frequency and we would hear and that we would listen and that we would obey your word. In your name we pray, amen. This morning we find ourselves in Mark chapter one, starting in verse 16. And as you know, the past week we've looked at uh, Jesus's baptism, his temptation, and then ultimately the beginning of his ministry where he came to preach this message of repentance for the time is near, and it moves us then into verse 16, and let me read it for us, and then we'll just walk through where the Lord takes us. Uh, Mark writes, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 17, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, that he saw James and the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants along with him, and they followed Jesus. Now, this is Jesus' ministry is just beginning. One of the first things that Jesus does is he calls disciples to follow him. Now, you'll recall the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the great commissioning words that Jesus gives us before he ascends to heaven is, go and make disciples. So the very last thing that Jesus tells his people is to make disciples. It's the very first thing that Jesus does in beginning his ministry. It's almost like he feels it important, does he not? The very last thing that he would tell his disciples to do is go and make more disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have observed and commanded you. Uh, these very same things that he has called the disciples to do is go and replicate and make more disciples is the very first thing that he does in beginning his ministry. It's an incredibly important thing for us to take in light of is that Jesus calls us to make disciples and Jesus himself made disciples. And so as we get this, Jesus is passing along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Simon and Peter, and then he also sees James and John, fishermen. Now, the first blank on your outline is that Jesus calls the common. 
Jesus calls common men to do extraordinary things, and here he calls simple fishermen to be his disciples and essentially turn the world upside down with the gospel's advance. Now, there's something incredible about over and over and over again in Scripture. You see Jesus using the common man, the common person, the simple, the uneducated. Look here on your outline at Acts chapter 4, verse 13. One of the most uh, significant places when you talk about common people being used for extraordinary purposes. The author writes, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now these simple, common men had done extraordinary things, going and blazing the trail for the gospel to go forward, doing things that were well outside their their language and knowledge and understanding. They were doing incredible, remarkable things. And the only tellable difference between them and anybody else is the fact that they had been with Jesus. Now, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, or I'm not trying to make you feel bad about yourself, but we are a room full and a sanctuary full of common people. Again, I'm sorry if you thought that you were something extraordinary or magnificent or something high and mighty, but we are all pretty common in this room, are we not? Some of you believe it, some of you don't, but we're all pretty common, right? Some of you have been to college, some of you haven't, some of you have doctorates and master's degrees, some of you don't have much of anything, but we're all common people in all of us in this room. And hear me say, all of us in this room have been called to extraordinary things. And at times we get confused with this word and we think extraordinary means we've got to be going on mission to all these foreign lands and doing this incredible stuff that we're not extraordinary unless we are IMB sent or if we've been to seminary and been trained and live in a uh, just a lifestyle of evangelism. We think that God cannot use us or we're not doing what God has called us to unless we are somehow doing something so extraordinary. But let me tell you, God needs common people doing the ordinary things that God has called you to. And friends, that is extraordinary in God's economy. That you would be a a common accountant or a teacher or a stay-at-home mom or that you would be retired using your resources for the kingdom advance, whether you'd be a junior high student or a high school student, Whatever the Lord has called you to, when you begin to follow Jesus into the avenues that God has given you, you are going to do extraordinary things as you simply follow him. See, over and over and over again, God calls common people to extraordinary things. Friends, we're living in a day in which this past year has taken us to extraordinary places. Never in my life have we thought that we would have to cancel or, excuse me, shut the doors of the church for as long as we did and have worship and do things at home, that we would have to cancel so many of our seminal events at our church where lost people come into the doors of the church, hear the gospel message proclaimed, and lives are changed. I'm saddened and grieved that we as a church can't have these incredible events that we're normally used to having, but what that means is that each of us have an incredibly important job to take the gospel with us. 
to go outside the church building and church walls and take 305 South Perry Street, what we've enjoyed and experienced in this place. The gospel is not meant to stay within the walls of this church, but what is meant to go out to your jobs, to your homes, to your schools, to your families, to the places the Lord gives you. And friends, that is extraordinary when common people do extraordinary things in elevating the gospel in their lives. I think about common people like Tommy and Kathy Dismukes, who last time I checked on Facebook, their testimony that they shared, just a simple 13-minute testimony of what God has done with them through this cancer journey has seen by over 20,000 people. A simple testimony of faith encouraging the thousands. Friends, God has called you. And maybe you come to this place and you say, well, Mark, I, I, I don't have much to offer. I've not been to seminary. I've not, I've not done all this incredible stuff. I simply don't have much to offer. I, I don't have much to give. I don't know much. I can't do much. But look here again at these incredible men, fishermen, untrained, unschooled. All they knew was how to fish. And Jesus took them to extraordinary places. And so the second point that we need to understand is simply Jesus' calling is to follow me. Jesus simply says, not all that they're going to have to do, not to walk through all these different things. Jesus simply says in verse 17, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. This is your calling and my calling in the life that we live as we take steps of faith into the unknown that we would simply follow Jesus. For a second, I can tell you, I, I don't know what your future holds. I don't know the next steps that you need to take. But what I do know is each of us are called to follow Jesus where we are today with the next step of faith, that your next step should be in obedience and in faith to follow Jesus wherever he leads you. This is our calling. Jesus doesn't say a whole lot to the disciples. He simply says in verse 17, and Jesus said to them, follow me. I know at times we get caught up in so many different things in church world. We get caught about doing all these different things. But the simplicity, the gospel message is Jesus calls you simply to follow him. And so this morning, I just want to ask you that, that question that you can't ask of your neighbor. You can't ask of anybody other than self. Are you following Jesus? Ask yourself, and it's simple to say, yeah, I'm trying my best. No, ask yourself deeply in your soul, are you following Jesus? Are you trusting in him? Are you walking with him? Are you giving him everything you are? Because this next note here is the disciples follow Jesus completely. Our calling is to be a little Christ, a representation of what Jesus is and does and says and teaches. We are called to be a little representation of that. So as Jesus calls the disciples to follow him, look at their response in verse 18 and 20. And immediately, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Going a little further, he saw James and John. And what was their response in verse 20? Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and they, with the hired servants and they followed Jesus. The disciples' response to Jesus coming and saying, follow me, was simply to leave it all behind and immediately follow Jesus. For Simon and Andrew, they were following Jesus at the cost of their fishing business. They were leaving their nets behind. And for James and John, they were leaving a lucrative business of fishing. So their father Zebedee had hired servants, which would imply that they were well off. They had a very robust fishing business. And so for James and John, they were leaving much 
behind to follow Jesus. They were following Jesus completely. See, as I've looked at our memory verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, again, over and over and over again, this verse has come to play in my life over and over. And if you turn over onto your worship guide and you see it there, I want you to look at it for just a moment. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? Does it say some? Does it say a little? What does it say? All. All of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all, friends, in all of your ways. All of them. You give our whole heart to the Lord. We give everything that we are to the Lord in all of our ways, in the simple ways, in the small ways, in all the decisions that we make, in all the things and circumstances that we come to. In all of our ways, we acknowledge the Lord's leadership in our lives, and he will make straight our pathways, not meaning that our pathway is always going to be easy and simple and never have bumps in the road, but he will make and walk with us. Friends, as we talk about Proverbs 3, as we hide it in our heart, we see that we give all that we are to the Lord. And this is not easy. I can't tell you how many church services I've been to where at the invitation we sing, I surrender all. Anybody sung that before? Just making sure you are still here because if you've been in the church for a little while, you've you've sung that chorus before. I, I surrender all. All to him I owe. Friends, as many times as I've sung that simple passage I surrender all. How often do I live it and believe it? On Monday morning when I wake up out of bed, do I say, Lord, I give you this day. I surrender all that I am. Whatever comes my way, whatever you lead me to, however you guide me, whatever people come along my pathway, whatever work comes my way, Lord, I give you everything that I am. I lay it down. How often do we do that? To say, I'm following you, Jesus, completely today. Whatever you lead me to, however you guide me, whatever steps you need me to take, whatever detours come around, Lord, I'm giving you every single thing that I am. I believe as we sing it, it's a reason we go all the way under the water because we are dying completely to ourselves. And the disciples follow Jesus completely. I want to ask you this morning, are you following Jesus deeply and completely? So many times in my life, I want to just hold on and dig into the things of this world that bring me some temporary pleasure and joy when Jesus is beckoning me to a much more peace-filled, encouraging, compassionate, loving, strength-filled life if I would just give and follow. See, Jesus doesn't simply just call us to follow him. He He leads us and guides us. Your last point this morning that we'll spend just a moment on is that Jesus calls us to service. Jesus calls us to service. Look again at verse 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. See, I love this, and it's something I'd never really noticed before, that Jesus says, follow me, and you will become fishers of men, that Jesus says, I will make you, I will help you become fishers of men. This is the joy-filled task of following Jesus, is he doesn't just say, hey, follow me, and he plucks us down and wherever we are, and he says, figure it out, you got it, come back to me at the end of your life, and I'll tell you how you did. No, Jesus walks with the disciples. He helps them. He encourages them. He shows them what it means to follow him. Jesus walks with them every step of the way, and can I tell you, as I have followed Jesus with my life, I have found that he walks with me. He guides, he leads, he protects, he gives all that is needed. 
So friends, as Jesus calls us to service, we are becoming fishers of men. We are becoming more into his image. He is making us to become fishers of men. Can you imagine the disciples in this moment when Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They leave their nets behind and they begin to follow Jesus. And at some point, do you think it clicked in their mind to say, what are we doing? I don't, I don't even know what it means to be a fisher of men, right? What are we supposed to do? Could you imagine in that moment, years down the road, these men going out, doing incredible things for the kingdom, sharing and showing, dying martyrs' death, doing miraculous things that at that moment that they left their nets behind and followed Jesus, they probably never could have imagined that they could have done. Just a a few days ago, I got a little note on my phone of a memory that happened several years ago. One of my most proud moments in my life is I got a hole-in-one. It was incredible. I got a hole in one, and the great thing is I had witnesses, right? I had people around that watched it happen, right? In this moment, this, this moment that had been building for so long, I'd been practicing, I got a hole in one. It's incredible. Now, I do want to make one caveat. It's disc golf, um, but it still counts, right? It was, a, it was a par three, all right? It was disc golf. I got a hole in one. It's still a big deal, okay? Y'all don't believe me. It was a big deal, all right? But in that moment, when I got that hole-in-one, it, it was not like I came out to the disc golf course that day with my bag of discs, and I just threw one haphazardly, and it hit the chains and fell into the basket. You know, many, many years ago, I began that first uh, day after work. I had this little window between 3 and 5 o'clock where I went out and played disc golf before Brittany got off work, and I fell in love. I got my starter pack off Amazon and I went out with a disc and man, I I like ultimate Frisbee. So I thought this is going to be a no brainer. I'm just going to sling this disc and it's going to fly straight and narrow and it's going to go right down the fairway into that basket. But you know, I hit every tree possible with my disc the first few weeks of playing disc golf. So much so that I wanted to give up and say, this is not for me. This is miserable. Whoever thought of playing this stupid game? And never would I have ever thought that first time playing disc golf that a couple years down the road that I was going to hit a hole-in-one out there on hole 16 at George Ward Park. See, I think so often we look at the spiritual growth and spiritual journey and we see what we want to become. We want to hit a hole-in-one for Jesus. We look in the future and we say, Lord, I... I want to be a wonderful servant of your kingdom. I want to be an evangelist. I want to be sharing your faith, Lord. I want to go into my job site and share with the people around me. I want to have a deep and abiding relationship with you. Lord, I want to have a, be a great husband to my wife that leads her and guides her. I want to be a great uh, father to my kids or a uh, mom or whatever it looks like. I want to be a, uh, someone that people look to of what it means to follow Jesus. And we look at these things of what we want to become, but we never take the steps of obedience to become them. We never take the next right step of obedience, knowing that Jesus took these disciples and he said, I will make you become fishers of men. Friends, you've read the stories of the disciples. We're going to read the stories of the disciples. At times they would ask questions of Jesus and you would just be like, oh man, why would you ask that? How dumb could you be, man? You never asked that. That's a dumb question. But you see the disciples at this moment, they don't have it all together. They don't have it all figured out. And Jesus walked with them and he taught them and he showed them what it looked like to do great and wonderful things. Friends, if you feel discouraged to say, I I could never, I could never do that. I could never walk into my business or I could never walk into this situation and be a gospel light or don't you know that I don't know enough or I, I have not been through enough. 
Know that God is in the business of using common people like you and me for extraordinary purposes. But if you look on your outline again and move back up to Acts chapter 4, you see the people were amazed at Peter and John's boldness, the uneducated and common men, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And friends, what makes us uncommon, what makes this whole thing work, is if you spend time and you walk with Jesus. So often we want all these things in our spiritual lives, but we don't walk with Jesus. So my calling for you today is, are you following Jesus? Our world needs more fishers of men in our workplaces, in our homes, on the mission field. So will you follow Jesus wherever he leads? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Lord, we give you our lives. We give you all that we are. Lord, we have, we have so fallen short so many times, but we, Lord, thank you that you have picked us back up. Lord, we want to be fishers of men. We want to become more into your image. We want to follow you. We want to help other people connect with you. So, Lord, help us to connect with you first. Lord, thank you for this morning that we can come and fellowship around your word, that we can sing good songs of the faith and encourage one another as we walk with you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.